welcome to the 28 Dales Later podcast with me, Natalie Wilson. Together with Steve Wharton and a few other guest presenters that we've got lined up, we'll be embarking on a journey around the north of England, celebrating its landscape, nature and heritage. Upon this mountain summit, we are met today to dedicate this space of hills to freedom. I started a writing project this spring focusing on the north of England. It's in no way finished, but over the months it's taken me to some interesting places. In particular, it has led me to the Lake District, to Black Sail, the old shepherd's hut turned youth hostel tucked into the valley at Ennerdale. I could see it all in my mind's eye, the views out west towards Pillar and beyond, and those the other way, stretching up towards Windy Gap and Great Gable. It took me back to my time as a youth worker, when we'd yomp young people up Gable, out to Honister, then on to Borrowdale, on countless wild and often rainy expeditions, staying in tents, caves and huts. Those memories took me to Castle Crag, home of Millican Dalton, the original Professor of Adventure, and then on to the dramatic Slate Pinnacle Summit, which for a small peak packs a punch. There, the connection between Great Gable and Castle Crag revealed itself. They're both home to Summit War Memorials, gifted to the people after the First World War. What high, windswept places of reflection, celebration and memory. I noticed there was another connection lurking in my mind, something less tangible but persistent. I'm very fortunate that I've been able to travel the world and spend time outdoors as part of my job. I've summited high peaks in many countries, and one of the things that I'm always aware of is how the elevated places are held in such high regard by local people. In fact, many are considered to be sacred. Nepal has many revered high places, the most well-known being Everest. In Chinese and Tibetan, the name for the mountain means Holy Mother, and the more recent Nepali name, Sagamartha, means Goddess of the Sky. In Nepal, any team embarking on a summit climb of a peak will make a puja ceremony arranged by the local guide. The ceremony is very important as a way of respecting and honouring the mountain gods and asking for safe passage up and down the mountain. The puja involves the burning of juniper and incense, chanting from monks, the blessings of people and equipment by a lama and the making of offerings. It is very atmospheric and an experience for all the senses. Mongolia, the high places are by default the sacred places, and many nomads still worship the highest place of all, the eternal blue sky, the most mighty and powerful of forces. The legendary Chinggis Khan believed that he conquered with the rule of heaven 
Some years ago, I hiked up Tsetsigunul on the Bogd Karnul, a sacred peak where it is believed Chinggis Khan himself lived for a time. It was a stunning place, draped with the colourful Katag scarves and littered with hundreds of eclectic offerings. A little way down the mountain sat a huge, old, bronze cauldron, large enough to hold ten sheep or more for cooking up a feast. A nearby monastery, ruined for decades but full of atmosphere, invited further exploration, and I took my group back to it on a night hike, where before we left, we lay on our backs, watchful for shooting stars, wakeful for the howl of a cautioned wolf, and feeling small in this dark, deep-time landscape under such a vast sky. In a landscape so uncluttered and unchanged, history hung heavily. I could feel it in the ground and in the air, as well as in my imagination. I've climbed to the top of Ma Shan in China, the highest of the four sacred Buddhist mountains, and the place where the first Buddhist temple in the whole of China was built around 2,000 years ago, when Buddhism arrived from India via the Silk Road. Climbing it is some feat, and sensibly, most people these days take a bus then a cable car in order to avoid the tens of thousands of concrete steps over 50 kilometres that make up the trek. History sits less tangibly here. So much development has occurred, and around 300,000 people per year now visit this UNESCO World Heritage Site. It was worth the effort, though, despite the sore knees, to have a rare overnight stay in one of the lesser-visited monasteries. Simple, functional and without distraction, perfect for those seeking enlightenment. Kilimanjaro and Mount Kenya are peaks I've climbed on the African continent, and both are considered by local tribes to be the location of God's throne on earth. Similarly, the ancient Incas believed that the mountains were a portal to the gods. These are themes that I've encountered in so many countries, articulated and inferred that the mountains are places where earth meets heaven or some great infinite beyond. For many communities, there is nourishment and belonging to be found in the landscape, a sense of shared identity brought to light through the mixing of history, landscape and culture, holding memory and values in a physical elevated place. It got me thinking whether we share any of these views in the UK. How did it come to be that we have a war memorial on Great Gable and also Castle Crag and Scarfell Pike? Why do so many people these days wish for their final resting place to be in the mountains, or at least in the landscape, somewhere scenic, instead of interred in the ground or a memorial wall? By the late 1800s, the hills of Cumbria were becoming more and more accessible. Notions of the beautiful and the sublime had given way to the picturesque. Wordsworth's famous Guide to the Lakes had been published and was already a few editions in 
and the rail network was expanding, connecting more people with more places. The foundations of tourism in the lakes were cemented, and the need and means for the masses to escape the daily grind was enabled. It was still tough, though, to get into some places. There's a beautiful article by Tom Price in the Felon Rock Climbing Club journal 100 Years of Climbing, entitled Way Out West. Price describes how he would get the train from the west coast to Keswick with his bike, then cycle eight miles or so to the head of a valley for a second breakfast of bacon and eggs before heading off on foot for a day of climbing. He writes, And so, weekend after weekend, we made our small pilgrimages out of the west, returning homeward again with the evening sun in our eyes. In this way, the Lake District retained its magical quality, and our concept of the picturesque remained unimpaired by too much familiarity. We went home to the ordinary world, which began at Frisington or Cleeter Moor. Where we picked up this clear awareness of where the mundane ended and the picturesque began, I cannot think, but it was in our consciousness like a fundamental truth. They were good days in West Cumberland. The Fallon Rock Climbing Club was formed in 1906, a coming together of outdoor enthusiasts, climbers who explored the crags and mountains, particularly in this area of Cumbria, making notable and remarkable first ascents. During the First World War, 20 members of the Fallon Rock Climbing Club died while serving, and it was a source of much grief to the club collectively. William T. Palmer wrote, in 1916, in an edition of the Club Journal. In this hour of gloom and pain, one cannot but think again and again of the eternal fells, of the great sympathies we have found there. And one looks forward even to the great day when, with victory, the remnant shall meet again in the shadows of the mighty rocks. The suffering and sacrifices made during the Great War also opened up more of an awareness of the restorative nature of the countryside, as well as issues around stewardship. There was a recognition, even then, that as more people enjoyed the outdoors, so there may be a need to caretake the landscape. A theme was emerging. Scarfell Pike was gifted to the National Trust in 1919, dedicated in perpetual memory of the men of the Lake District who fell for God and King for freedom, peace and right in the Great War. The Memorial Cairn was rebuilt by the National Trust in 2018. An astounding 100,000 people visit Scarfell Pike every year. I wonder how many of them know they're atop what has been called the world's greatest war memorial. The cost of such high footfall is literal. It cost a huge amount to maintain this sacrificial mountain, one of the National Three Peaks. Fix the Fells say they need around £750,000 over the next eight years to maintain just the paths on the western side of the mountain alone. After the war's end, the club debated how best to commemorate their fallen men, men who loved the mountain so. Being conservationists in principle, there was a great reluctance to erect a physical structure that may mar the beauty of the area or encroach on others' enjoyment of it. 
1919, the club entered into negotiations with a local landowner to attempt to buy Pillar Rock, or part of Great Gable, to gift to the National Trust, so it might remain a memorial to those who had lost their lives. At that time, it wasn't possible, but a few years later, there was a change of landowner, and the club was able to buy not one mountain top, but the tops of 12 mountains, all the land over 1,500 foot, including Great Gable, Green Gable, Kirk Fell, and many of the tops you see as you look to Honister and beyond. The idea of buying the high fells as a gift to the people is generosity and altruism in itself, a socialist notion surely, and a gift to the nation. For a sum of £400, 3,000 acres of high fell tops were bought by the Fell and Rock Climbing Club and then handed over to the National Trust in 1923. At the first remembrance service, atop of Great Gable, Right Honourable Ackland MP said, It is impossible to realise that these fells and mountains are ours and our children's forever and ever. These mountains that we have climbed, gaining strength in our muscles and wind, and training our powers of self-control and of grit. We have stood gazing enthralled at their wondrous beauty and grandeur. We've gone back to the grimy cities and the stale, flat and unprofitable plains, inspirited by these mountains, to carry on under whatever difficulties and drudgery we have had to meet. And the source of our inspiration is ours and our children's forever. In our joy and pride, we must not forget what it has meant. These themes recur as I talk to friends about the modern ideas of final resting places, of being scattered on the wind somewhere up high. Escapism, excitement, spirituality, appreciation, beauty. Some have told me they imagine it to be a return to freedom, to some original free spirit that we had before the ups and downs of life preoccupied us. For some, it is a wish to be returned to a place that they loved and where they were happy. For some, the perpetual beauty of the landscape appeals. Some cite the untethered and exposed nature of the high places too. For others still, it may be one final exhilarating adventure. Alfred Wainwright wrote of his own wish. The day will come when there's nothing left but memories and afterwards a long last resting place by the side of inominate tarn on haystacks where the water gently laps the gravelly shore and the heather blooms and pillar and gable keep unfailing watch. week of remembrance it seems fitting to finish off this podcast with the words of the mountaineer and author Geoffrey Winthrop Young who also made a tribute at the memorial upon Great Gable upon this mountain summit we are met today to dedicate this space of hills to freedom upon this rock are set the names of men 
our brothers and our comrades upon these cliffs, who held with us that there is no freedom of the soil where the spirit of man is in bondage, and who surrendered their part in the fellowship of hill and wind and sunshine, that the freedom of this land, the freedom of our spirit, should endure. Their sacrifice bears witness still, beyond death, to the imperishable ideal of spiritual liberty. We commit today, not in bronze, but in unalterable faith, our thoughts of their triumph in the spirit to these spaces of power and light. for listening to the 28 Dales Later podcast. You can also find our blogs and photographs on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash 28 Dales Later.